in the studio is Dr. Matthew McCarthy. Hey, Dr. Matt, how are you? <laughs> hey, Gina, how are you? Why are you laughing? I don't know. It's just all so ridiculous that we get to do this. <laughs> we have too much fun here. So I'd like for you to start talking, first of all, about any updates you have on COVID-19. Sure. So we have been tracking these numbers. I feel like six weeks ago these numbers felt very important. It don't seem so important now. Here's what's important. Since May 1st, um, we've our area, and that's what we're kind of talking about here, um, we've had a very steady rate of new cases, um, which has been right around 20. I mean, some days we're seeing 16 new cases, some days we're seeing 30 new cases, but right around 20, low 20s, new cases per day in southwest Virginia. So I think Lexington and south and west, like Lexington to Bristol, um, you know, we have successfully flattened our curve for almost a month now. Um, I mean, it's a flat line. That, that's what a flat curve is. It's Don't a flat we line. love a flat line under most circumstances? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We are five years in and we still have had no flat lines here at Direct Primary Care Blacksburg. Oh, my word. <laughs> um, Please don't. Don't jinx me. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the numbers um, for more local sort of info. Some of you have been watching these um, town halls that the Montgomery, or, I'm sorry, New River Valley COVID Task Force has been doing. There was another one last night. Um... Yeah, so you can look those up and listen to them. Uh, you know, I find them um, not super informative, but um, interesting. That's for sure. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Enough said. I'll have to define that someday. <laughs> so anyway, what have you been reading about COVID, Gina? What, so, what struck you this week as interesting? All right, well, you know, as you know, it's super tough because new information comes out constantly. Right. Um, so what I thought would be interesting is if we picked five things out of all the things you and I have read this week and Dr. Lika share, and we decided that we would focus on talking about those. So the first thing I have here is that apparently the CDC has announced that antibody tests for COVID-19 might be wrong up to half the time, 50% of the time. I want to know what you think about this. Yeah, I mean, that is crazy. Um, there's, you can, if you go to the CD website, the CDC website, there's an interim guidelines for COVID-19 antibody testing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, you, everybody in this practice knows that I'm a conspiracy theorist. A little bit, a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I don't care for what I say. But, um, and most of you by now know that I've been very cynical about these antibody tests. But um, th this is just a really good read. I mean, it's, well, it's a decent read. I mean, it's a big, long page. Of so not all antibody tests are created equal? Absolutely not. So okay. to repeat some things we said, you know, there's something like 12 to 14 different mm -hmm. tests available at different places in the country, across the country, different manufacturers. And um, so maybe some are better than others sure and that's mm -hmm. definitely explained in this in this article but um what yeah. about if i say i went to a reputable place and i had mm -hmm. an antibody test mm -hmm. and i really wanted to try and increase the odds of 
it being successful in telling me whether or not I, I had antibodies, do you think it would be smart to test people twice to minimize some false positive test results? What are your thoughts on that? Does it doesn't really change anything. I mean, we with the current testing, mm-hmm. it, I guess is the answer. With the current testing, it does, I mean, repetitive testing, these tests are, I mean, I think 50% of the time is optimistic, Okay. if I'm honest. Um, um, we want it so bad. As a society, we want this to be an option so bad <laughs> that, you know, our capitalist society has created them. <laughs> um, and... I think I think if you look through some of the fine print on these, they're just not worth it. And and for some people, this is a momentous decision. You know, just talking to a friend um, today whose father's on the um, on a transplant list for a bilateral lung transplant. Mm-hmm. So this is a big decision for them. Do we go visit dad? <laughs> and you know. No clinician who says you should use an an- use these antibody tests to help you make that decision is, I mean, that's not keeping the Hippocratic Oath, right? That is not doing no harm. That's potentially doing a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're giving somebody confidence in something that we don't have confidence in. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, to me, that's some of the biggest news of the week is that that, that has finally been confirmed as, or uh, somebody somewhere... The CDC is finally saying that this is not a good test. Not so fast, right? Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts as far as where we're where we are at with developing a COVID nineteen vaccine? It seems like, again, we've talked about this in the past, but these manufacturers that have been approved <laughs> continue to work on an experimental vaccine. Um, how do you feel about this? I feel well. So we talked about this some last mm-hmm. week about the different. Um, I guess I should ask you, let me clarify, some of them are saying that they will be, that we will have a proven vaccine by the end of the year. That's what I really want to know. What does Dr. Matt think about that? Well, let me provide a footnote to DPC podcast number five, in which we discussed (laughs) that in more detail. But, uh, you know, yeah, so the news of the week on that was um, Novax or Novavax, which is based out of Maryland, um, has started a study, interestingly not in the United States, because this has not been approved. They're not allowed to study this in the United States this way, but they're Mm -hmm. doing a human trial now in Mm -hmm. Australia. Um, They've got 131 volunteers, and they're starting this, and, you know, like everybody, they're saying they're going to have this by the end of the year. So I'm pessimistic, but interesting. This is news I'm following um you know what happens um with with this test um they're using um copies of one of those little coronavirus spikes that everybody knows what covid looks like now right Mm -hmm. um but um copies of one of the basically it's an inactive virus um to see if they can generate immunity so um, we'll see a harmless copy Dr. Matt, a harmless copy and 131 people. Yeah. Yeah. Volunteers. Har- Are you willing to volunteer? Well, I'm not Australian. <laughs> um, You're sacrificial, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I've I feel often like, wondered that. I mean, it seems really kind of interesting and fun to do one of these I feel like you'd be more eager to right volunteer place. your nurse for something like this versus taking this on your own. 
Um, well, this provides a good segue because one point at which I was willing to volunteer you for anything um, was when you've been wiping down the office incessantly, right. trying to prevent um, transmission of transmission disease, of Dr. COVID Matt. on hard surfaces. Tell us what the CDC has said about that this week. All right, this well, is interesting. This basically came out of NPR uh, last Friday. Oh. Perfect. And the CDC apparently <laughs> changed. The <laughs> the, do you have feelings about NPR that you'd like mm-hmm. to share, Dr. Matt? Mm-hmm. All right. The CDC changed a headline on its webpage, which is a big deal, um, yeah. regarding viral infection prevention. And it apparently triggered a plethora of news stories across the U.S. saying that they were changing the guidelines on whether or not the virus could be transmitted via surfaces. Right. Did you read that? Right. But keep going. All right. (laughs) So what they ended up saying was they were going to stick to the fact, apparently, that the main way the virus spreads is via respiratory droplet contamination, right, from an infected person who is in close proximity to someone else. So that has not changed. And they said, while it may be possible that a person can get COVID by touching a surface or object that has the virus on it and then touching their own mouth or nose or even their eyes, that it's not really thought to be the main way that the virus spreads. Right, and that's what was misinterpreted. Was people read that headline and thought, oh, you can't get it from surfaces. We don't have to wipe things down, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So we know there are many cases of it transmitting on on surfaces. they call them fomites. Fomites, exactly. Um, that um, can stick to a hard surface, a hard surface like a doorknob, mm-hmm. a tabletop, etc. A pen. You know, I was in. Where was I yesterday? I was in Our Daily Bread here in Blacksburg, and I was buying. Um, well, I'm not going to tell you what I was buying. I was buying something that was bad for me. <laughs> Uh, for the kids. It was for the kids. <laughs> and um, she handed me the receipt to sign after swiping my card. And she was like, I see that you have a pen. Can you use your pen, please? <laughs> I love so, that. And there you go. So she was worried about fomites being transmitted on this pen. And yes, that is possible. Though um, most transmission, the main vector for transmission is droplets that are sneezed, blasted, coughed, coughed. Mm-hmm. Um, sung Spit. out into the air at choir practice. Um, kissing is probably bad. Yeah. Not right. services. Good to know. <laughs> All right. I want to talk to you now about what you think about the temporary halt from right. WHO, the World Health Organization, regarding its trial of hydroxychloroquine over safety concerns. Right. So, um... Um, the World Health Organization has stopped their trials on hydroxychloroquine. Um, so to back up a second, and I've talked with several of you about this, but you, um, if you go to the doctor and you have an EKG done on your heart, they're measuring the, the ability uh, or the, the speed which electricity is conducting through your heart, and that tells us about the health of your heart, the cells of your heart, how well are they conducting electricity electricity and um two medications famously can lengthen or slow electrical conduction mm-hmm. um through your heart one is azithromycin a z-pack which uh, it, 
it's interesting that these are some of the most popularly prescribed medications in the world. So uh, just, everybody knows about what a ZPAC is, at least in this a part macrolide. of the world. A <laughs> macrolide. Right. <laughs> Nurse practitioner school is popping up there. But, you know, every, I mean, that gets prescribed. I mean, we in residency, we called it vitamin Z or vitamin A, um, and that's what we would give people, a ZPAC, as along with their vitamin C and their Flintstones, they might need a ZPAC. Um, but yeah, it can slow the conduction of electricity through your heart. Mm-hmm. Very rare, but it can happen. And with certain populations, it's a big deal. You know, if you already have issues with palpitations or other arrhythmias, you know, it could be a big deal, right? So mm-hmm. the other medication that internationally is famous for this is hydroxychloroquine. And we don't hear about that much here because, like, you know, in the last five years that I've been in private practice, I've prescribed this for people traveling to malaria endemic places, and that's like the only time I would have prescribed this. And our pharmacies don't have tons of it, you know, it's just not. But where our Dr. L grew up in Kenya, mm-hmm. I mean, this was, you know, this was the thing. This was this was vitamin H. I don't know what they <laughs> called it, but you know, where malaria is endemic, large portions of the population take this regularly. So. Um, this was kind of interesting to see our responses to this, him and myself. He didn't think hydroxychloroquine was any big deal at all right. when this all came out. And I was thinking, wow, you know, a malaria drug? Whoa. <laughs> um, anyway, sense. both of these medications can lengthen your, your QT interval, which is one portion of your EKG. And mm-hmm. just think of it as electricity passing through the heart and could potentially throw you into an arrhythmia or a you know, a non-life-sustaining heartbeat sounds bad, is bad, and this is why the World Health Organization has stopped these trials. Dr. Matt, do you mind adding a disclaimer briefly saying to not call us because you've taken a Z-Pack once or twice in your life (laughs) and you're worried that you have QT prolongation now because of that, right? Right. These are very safe medicines. Um, Thank you. Even taking them together is probably pretty safe. I think you need a legit reason to. You know, I wonder, basically, these trials are balancing the benefits versus the risks. And at some level, they've said the benefits aren't outweighing the risks Mm -hmm. or they had a significant event. That's possible. Yeah. And, And they backed out. So, anyway, interesting. Good deal. Um, now, this is something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is the topic of public restrooms, all right? So okay, apparently, right. Um, some businesses are trying to adapt by installing touch-free doors, faucets, and hand dryers, while others are cleaning and disinfecting more frequently, and they're actually required to wear face masks during that time. Right. Is this exciting to you, or is it something you're not really... Whatever, yeah. I don't think about these things when I go to the bathroom. To a well, public I mean, I, mean I think for a lot of our our patients in our in our local community, mm-hmm. you know, small businesses reopening is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big deal to our economy here. Um, you know, it's a big part of what we've missed is supporting local businesses and restaurants. Um, you know, if if we turn our entire shopping experience to Amazon and Kroger with a mask, I mean, will we survive? Yes, maybe. <laughs> you know, this is important to me, you know, mm-hmm. that we, that our local economy is support. So anyway, so one big issue for reopening is public restrooms. 
Um, so, some of you know, so Val and I, over the weekend, mm-hmm. left the kids with my parents. Shameful. <laughs> we had a blast. <laughs> so many good stories came out of this weekend. And we got out of town for 24 hours. And we went down to North Carolina, and we stayed in an Airbnb, and we practiced good <laughs> social distancing throughout this whole thing. But what was interesting was that North Carolina is a little ways ahead of us here in Virginia. A lot of small businesses had opened. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, like, stay six feet apart. They're only letting so many people in each business. Pretty similar to what Blacksburg is doing, honestly. Right. Um, they're calling it phase two, but it's basically a pretty similar to phase one here. And we had, like, a straight-out crisis over this, actually. We, we were in this little town outside of Asheville in North Carolina... They had all this stuff open, you know, like outdoor shops, restaurants. Sounds wonderful. Um, an antique store we tried to go into, we went into. Um, everybody somewhere had scrounged up hand sanitizers everywhere. You had to have a mask on, so Val made us little cute masks, I guess. Um, yes, mine actually had flowers on it, which was ridiculous, but that's Val. So anyway, we're wearing this mask, and nobody would let you use their bathroom. Like, they had three signs on the door. Wash your hands. They had tons of signs on the door. But wash your hands, wear your mask, stay six feet apart, all these rules. But right up there in the top three things was don't use our bathroom. Okay? Okay. And about two, three hours into walking around, oh, yeah. both of us were dying. And um, the public restrooms weren't open. Mm-hmm. It turns out this became, this was, I mean, everybody else was having the same problem. Mm. There were no bathrooms. Wow. There were no bathrooms. And, you know, ultimately, we had to go all the way back to our Airbnb to find a bathroom. We did wow. not shop at any other local businesses after, you know, we were hoping to kind of, it was a beautiful day, mm-hmm. it was sunny, we were getting thirsty, we were going to step in for a drink and sandwiches. Mm-hmm. You know, we were not able to support our local business because of this rule and this sort of oversight where nobody really thought, how is this going to work? Um, right. That's a great example. um, I mean, I think we're going to see tons of this, you know, as we reopen is there's so many things to think about, you know, like what are the logistics of supporting our local economy in the next few weeks? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great point. It's, it's going to be a pain, but well, we're glad glad you got a chance to get away and we're glad that Dr. Lee Kashir and I did not screw up in your absence. So that's also a plus. All right. Now my last thing before we, we get out of Dodge, right, is asking you why you felt it was necessary to install the COVID check app on my phone today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. To clarify, technically it's not an app, Gina. It's a link. Um, But if you go to the Virginia Department of Health website, there's a super cool thing. Um, Don't tell the Virginia Department of Health or anybody, but I've clicked through it twice now. And I So three fake patients have gone through it already, Um, just trying different eventualities, and I don't recommend that. But for many of you who are caught, and and call us first, that's why we're here. So you know what I love about this? We want to do this this with you, but yeah. What I love about this is that it says that I can check myself, or I can put in a check for someone else, right? Absolutely. And That's so, cool. disclaimer, you know, we're using this, you know, as we guide patients who call in with COVID questions, you know, 
Um, obviously, we're putting our own knowledge of you as people and customizing it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty cool. You can go on there and kind of think through any of a number of scenarios. You know? So I would, I'd get on there, and what I would do is the first screen I, say, I see, it says, check your symptoms or for someone else, and it says, right. let's assess your risk for coronavirus, right? right. Are you experiencing the, any of the following symptoms? And it just basically gives me a list of symptoms. And I could even write none of the above, right? Right. And then it says, good to know. While those are the most common symptoms associated with coronavirus, there are others to consider too. I also need to factor in a couple of quick details. Are you asking for yourself or for someone else? <laughs> it's, very, it's very specific about that. <laughs> but basically, it walks you through this. And what's super cool is at the end you can put in your um, your zip code mm-hmm. and if you're brave I mean I guess this is okay your insurance information and it'll tell you where to go to get a test um, I love now, that obviously Gina and I can give you some tips on how to get free testing <laughs> um, and advise you locally too but um, I, I just thought it was kind of I mean I actually think it's very well done yeah this brings up another point that we had a fun discussion about earlier in the week um there are some studies or some some suggesting that we use our cell phones to track COVID. And basically what this would be is I allow my cell phone to tell me if I was near another cell phone from someone who I guess admitted to their cell phone that they had COVID <laughs> or that I mean it's there's some huge ethical bioethical discussions here. <laughs> you should see no his face right now. I'm like, no. <laughs> um yeah, so think through these kinds of things before you tell an app on the internet your insurance information or your location. I don't want you to know where I'm at when I'm not at work, Dr. Matt. I'm worried you could start tracking me. <laughs> not a good idea, right? Well, you, you always know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> you bet I do. <laughs> so, good. anyway. Oh, this has been fun. Hey, thanks so much for sharing these things. And also, before we leave, oh. don't you think you should thank your wife for taking the time to make that personalized mask for you yes so <laughs> so here was the last straw so we have had a lot of donated masks which has been so awesome but we've had some amazingly like creative <laughs> and ridiculous looking masks sewn by people in town and um we had one that was um, all american flags on the front and then you turn it inside out it was like santa claus and christmas <laughs> on the inside and then the ties were like tie-dye t-shirt that they'd cut off and put on which is awesome and it Works great, perfectly, adequate, whatever, sneeze protection. <laughs> anyway, Val had to go to Kroger or, I don't know, Food Line. She was in a grocery store, and this was the only mask in the car. And she had to wear this thing in, and she was, of course, that so embarrassed and horrified. <laughs> she went home <laughs> and, yeah, let the groceries smolder in the car while she made herself <laughs> a good mask from, you know, nice fabric. So, yeah, it was just funny. Good on her. But, All right, Dr. Matt. Hey, thanks so much. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week. (laughs) See you all. Holler if you need anything.